أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وفديناه بذبح عظيم وتركنا عليه في الآخرين سلام على إبراهيم كذلك نجزي المحسنين إنه من عبادنا المؤمنين وبشرناه بإسحاق نبيا من الصالحين وباركنا عليه وعلى إسحاق من ذريتهما محسن وظالم لنفسه مبين. الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. إن شاء الله today I'll try to wrap up our discussion on a passage that belongs to Surah Al-Safat that we've been talking about, the, pas- the passage of the sacrifice. Uh, and I'll also share with you some future plans for this series, inshallah. Today is the last day that I'm going to be doing this series in, as for this Ramadan, but I'm not done with the Ibrahim series. In fact, I thought I'd be completed in 30 days or 29 days and we can call it a series, but um, we're probably not even halfway there. So there's there's a lot of material in the Quran on Ibrahim alayhi salam, and I think it's important that we give it its due. So I'm, some of you might know, I'm traveling to Europe, inshallah, uh, in the next few days after Eid. Actually, the day of Eid, I'll be my journey begins. Uh, I'll be stopping over in California, and then from then on, I'll head off to Umrah, and I'll be making dua for all of you, of course, inshallah. And then from there, uh, I'm heading off to a tour in Europe. Um, but when I come back, inshallah, I'll announce it and we'll probably hold a couple of weekends, like a day-long program on just Ibrahim salam to kind of comprehensively cover uh, some of the material and tie it together in, in one go. So we'll make it Ibrahim days, inshallah. That's the plan. Um, because instead of extending it too far down the road and you know making it little by little, um, there are other projects that I need attention on that would take away from this. And I don't want to leave this hanging either. So inshallah, that's the plan. And so stay tuned for that. For those of you that are watching on YouTube or on Facebook, um, I'll make the announcement there also. So you can attend, inshallah. I'll also broadcast that on social media so that you guys can uh, also access it, inshallah. May Allah make the series of benefit and really bring us closer to our father, Ibrahim alayhi salam, and through him um, to our own messenger, sallallahu alayhi salam, and to Allah azza wa uh, in any case, so now we're going to talk about uh, where we left off. Inna kadalika najzil muhsini. Certainly, that is how we compensate all of those who excel. This is the Quran's way of telling us a story and then tying it back to ourselves. So we don't have to wonder whether the story applies to us or not. Allah explicitly says it enough times that you get programmed into thinking that when you're reading a story in the Quran, fihi dikrukum. In it is mention of you. In it is something that's talking to you. In it, there's a reminder for you. And for me, right? So that's a constant. So we, we never look at the, the, the stories in the Quran uh, without contemplating about ourselves. However, there has to be caution and sincerity when we contemplate the stories of the Quran. So for example, if you're studying the story of Yusuf, السلام, right? And he is falsely accused, right? You could say, oh, I remember a time when I was falsely accused. I can relate to Yusuf, السلام. it's cool, you can. And there may be truth in that, 
but he's kind of totally innocent and we rarely are right so we're <laughs> where i have a, a you know a share of the blame and as much as i like to say well my blame was 5% and the other side was 95% you know if you ask the other side they'll say their share was 5% and your share is 95% and that's them being generous right so it's a matter of perspective too so when we when we uh, uh, think about the experiences or the, or the discussions that are taking place in the Quran, uh, it's good to say that we want to be able to relate to the stories of the prophets, but it, it can also turn into something dangerous and self-righteous if we're not careful. And so self-righteousness is a, an important disclaimer that you, know, you and I have to worry about. The other thing is, you know, we think about... Um, you know, like in the case of Yusuf, we think about Yusuf alayhi salam, and I'm, I'm going to find a lot of inspiration with Yusuf alayhi salam. Uh, but his brothers, yeah, his brothers are a lot like my brothers, or his brothers are a lot like my uncles, or his brothers are a lot like my cousin, or his brothers, I know a lot of people that are like his brothers. You know, so, you know, Yusuf is for me, and his brothers are for everyone else, right? So this is also a problematic mentality. If I'm being completely blatantly honest with myself, you know, just interestingly, I was uh, recently just got involved in studying uh, just some correlation between Quran and psychology. Particularly, I was I was looking into the subject matter of jealousy, and jealousy is one of those things that it's really hard to admit that if you have it or not. First of all, we we have a vague description of it, and of course, because of the term hasad in the Quran, we associate it with terrible evil, and we also know that shaitan is jealous of human beings, so we we associate like the highest level of evil with it. And because it's so evil, the heart of, the last thing anybody would want to say is that they're jealous, right? But there are levels of jealousy that are, that are natural, that are normal. Like you're sitting in a class, one kid keeps answering the questions, you're like, oh, I wish I was that smart. But a little tiny bit of jealousy, right? And at some level, jealousy is actually a natural experience. You know, you're sitting with your friends and one of your friends says, man, I've been looking for a job. For, can you believe it? First week I applied, I got the job. And you've been applying for six months and you haven't gotten even a single call, not a single email. So there's a little bit of, man, I wish I had a job like that. There, there is that, right? So the, the feeling itself isn't evil. It's natural, actually. you know. But what do you do with that feeling can turn into evil. And can you take that negative feeling and turn it into something, something productive, something constructive? Yes, you can. And can you take this down a very dark path? Yes, you can. But if you deny in yourself, I don't even have it. I, I don't even feel it. This, I, I know other people that are jealous. I've never been jealous in my whole life. <laughs> well, then you've got, you know, you, you lack self-awareness. I like self-awareness self -aware, if I have that problem, right? So the same way in the story of Ibrahim salam, we're talking about Ibrahim salam. We're trying to relate to the, some of the things that he had to do. At the same time, we talked about his father. We talked about his society, right? And we want to be on Ibra Team Ibrahim, right? So that's relatable to us. But those mushrikun and the way they reacted and the way they were against him and the way they didn't want to hear it and the way they were irrational and the way they used their position and the way they intimidated. That, yeah, that's all for the kufar. That's not for me. Actually, maybe, maybe in some situations I am behaving in some remnant similar way to that which was condemned. That doesn't make me a mushrik, but it certainly makes me more aware, am I exhibiting some of this behavior? Am I turning into a mob? You know? So just to, just to make you and I contemplate that for a moment, like, um, you know, online, uh, you can have fan pages, right? So somebody's got a, you know, page and they've got millions of followers on whatever social media outlet, right? 
And of course, most of the people that are following them like them. That's why they're following them. Then somebody comes along and says, I need, I'm bored right now, so I'm going to hurl an insult at this person on their page or on their post, right? Because you know, people need some extra masala with their food, so they just they throw out an insult. And what are, the, what are the following, the fan base, what do they do? They eat that person alive. 500 comments on them, insults at them. Who are you to say? Da, da, da. You know, it just starts this ugliness. Are you turning into a mob also? Right? Are you, are you not... So, so even if you think you're doing something righteous, you are actually turning into a mob. And there is a criticism of mob mentality, isn't there? So th these are the kinds of kind of mindfulness, you know, uh, 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 levels of awareness that we have to bring to the table when we study the stories in the Quran. And Allah at the end of this says, Inna That's why I brought all this up. That is, a, that is exactly how we compensate all those who excel. Meaning Allah Azza wa tested Ibrahim with the hardest test and then Allah told him that you have completed the dream. You know, and this is not just, the, the next words aren't just for him, it's for all of us that Allah may test us in different ways. And it is because of that sacrifice that now we have a legacy that Allah will test you and I and then Allah will compensate in ways that we can't expect or imagine. His ihsan, think about this, his ihsan began when he was a young man. He was a muhsin when he was a young man. And he's being in the world compensated in his 80s. Right? It's how Allah does things. It's Allah's timetable. It's not our timetable. You know, but he will compensate in some way or the other. In this world and in the next, in this world or in the next. That's up to him. He doesn't give us any guarantees of when and how and what that's going to look like. The same way Allah's punishments, we cannot decide what they're going to look like. We cannot decide when they're going to come. All oh, these people who did so much wrong, how come they're not getting, they're not paying for what they did? Oh, well, is that up to you? Should you be dictating to Allah how he should decree his punishments and when and how? Or is that up to him? He, he actually took a lot off my plate and your plate that he doesn't let us be concerned with who's getting punished and how. Right? That's not, that's above your pay grade. Leave that alone. That's not for you. Don't worry about it. No, but I saw them, I, I, they posted something, they still look happy. <laughs> Where, where's, Allah hasn't delivered His wrath yet. Well, what's the problem? You know, this, this, is, this is our, we want to dictate to Allah. We want to tell Allah how to do his, his, his bidding, how to execute His justice. You see, we, we're not in that position. We should, I should humble myself to think that. And what did Allah do? For every one of them, whatever sin they earn, they'll get their share. That's it. Once he said it, I don't have to worry about it anymore. He took it off my plate. Right? So the same way here, when Allah says, The way Allah will reward, and the way Allah will punish, and that whether that will happen in this life or the next life, all of that is up to him. But one thing is for sure, it will happen. This, in fact, this truly is a great, great test. And the word bala is so beautiful in the Arabic language because bala means two things at the same time. It's from Lughatul Abdad. And bala means ni'matun azimah. And it actually means ikhtibar azim. Like it, it, both of them at the same time. It actually means a huge blessing. Also means a huge test. Isn't that remarkable? Like what Ibrahim went through is two things at the same time. A huge test and also a huge blessing. Now the thing is, when you and I are going through a test, we see it as a, tri a, a, a punishment. Tests are, you know, con confused with punishment. Another word for test in Arabic is fitna. 
actually. Test or trial, another word is fitna. Ja'ala nasi Allah says in the Quran, there's a person who takes the test that Allah, uh, people are testing this person, and they confuse that to mean that must be Allah's punishment. Listen to those words. How often does that happen in people's lives? How often does this, this come to reality? They take the fitna, the, tr the trial that people put them through, and they turn it in their mind into the punishment of Allah. Here Allah describes the believer's attitude towards even fitna, even bala. What is it? It's actually a terrible test, a, ho a difficult, difficult test. I can't imagine a test harder than the one given Ibrahim salam. Right? And then that test and the anguish that it must have come with, it's not at the moment of cutting the knife. You have to understand, the first time he sees the dream, how disturbed would he be? And then on top of that, he sees it again, and then he sees it again, and then he sees it again. And when he sees it again, then he has to tell, even telling his son must have been a huge test. And then looking at his son in the face and telling him that test. And then his son telling him, do what you're told must be so hard to hear too. That's not an easy thing to hear. And then every step they're taking to go and do the, the dhibr. And the knife that he has to put in his, in his bag. You know, and the, the fact that he has to lay his son down, every second of that is such an incredible test. The test isn't just the moment of the, you know, and then Allah stopped him. It, the whole thing was a test. But all of it, as gruesome, as grueling as it was, Allah describes it as al-bala, al which means a great test and a great blessing at the same time. Clearly. What does that tell us, you and I? That, you know, every test includes in it a blessing that you may or may not be able to see. You may have lost, I may have lost a lot of things because of a test. I may have suffered losses of different kinds. You know, وَنَقْسِمْ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَنفُسِ وَالثَّمَرَاتِ Right? It could be that you lost people. Family that used to love you hates you. Could happen. Fam friends were lost. That could happen. You know, people could die. People could get sick. People could turn their, their hearts could turn away from you. All that is naqsiminal anfus. Money that you had disappears, vanishes, goes away into nothingness. And then what thamarat? And the investments you had, the fruits of your labor that were going to come forth, can just vanish. And what does he say at the end of that? Well, congratulations to those that have sabr. Like, why are you congratulating after they lost money, people, and fruits? What's the congratulations? <laughs> It's congratulations because if you can go through that trial understanding that behind this there must be a blessing. There has to be a blessing. Allah even says in Surah Al-Shura that He holds rizq back from His slaves. Because if He opened its doors, they would have fallen into sin. Like, and I was explaining this to a crowd the other day, like think about the, this bala. Like if he, if he opened the doors of rizq, you say, no, that wouldn't spoil me. Really? It wouldn't spoil you? Let's think about that for a moment. You know, you, those of you that have children, if your kids ask you for something and you give it to them, then they ask you again, you give it to them. You ask it again, you give it to them. You never say no to your kids. Those are some of the most terrible children on earth. If you give your kids everything they want, all the time, the one moment you will not give it to them, what's going to happen? They will turn into monsters you've never seen. They will have no respect for you because you're nothing more than a cash register and an ATM machine for them. That's all you are. You have no other value. 
And on top of that, all the things you give them, they take for granted. They're not grateful for any of them. They're not grateful for any of them. Allah shows us the manifestation of giving, giving, giving without any limits and what it does to a human being. What it does, just children have not, they have fitrah, they're innocent. And look at how their innocence can get corrupted if you just what? Give, give, give and give. Their innocence can get corrupted. What do you think is going to happen to human beings if Allah just kept giving and giving and giving? Right? He teaches us these lessons in real life. So here when he says, that is that was clear. This clearly was an ultimate great test and a great blessing of Fadaynahu Alim and we substituted for him. Fidya means a substitute price. We substituted for him with a great sacrifice. Now, this, this is also incredible words from Allah. Great sacrifice. The great sacrifice is the sacrifice of a child. And then he replaces the child with a with a kibsh with a, with a ram or a goat, you could say but a large one, right? So some scholars look at the word azim and said, oh, it must have been a really big animal. That's not the point here. The point isn't if it was a rabbit or a, or a goat or a, a cow and we need to figure out if it was a cow or not. That's no. If Allah wanted you to know that it was a cow or it was a deer or it was a rabbit, He would tell you. He would tell you. Those details are mentioned in the Bible. Quran deliberately doesn't mention them. What did He decide to mention? He decided to mention that this sacrifice was great. It was great. But the first counterintuitive observation is the great sacrifice would have been the child and compared to the child, a random animal is nothing. It's not so great. Right? But to Allah, what makes that simple sacrifice of an animal, which was an everyday thing for them back in the day, right? That's what they did normally to eat. In fact, when the angels came to the house of Ibrahim years later and they gave him news that he's going to have yet another child, what did he do? Sacrificed an animal. It's not a big... It's not, it's just easy, easy slaughter, right? What makes it great is what it represents. What it represents. From then onwards starts the legacy of sacrifice. The legacy of sacrifice attributed to Ibrahim And sacrificing of the animal became the cornerstone of the religion of Ibrahim and actually, the reason we eat halal food in the way that we eat is actually a continuation of that, 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 in, that, actually in, that incident. And every one of the sacrifices of an animal that happens in the name of Allah is actually going back and adding to the greatness of that sacrifice. And then if you study the Bible carefully, the, the, the Old Testament particularly, can you close that door? Because the kids are trying to kill each other and it's still Ramadan. Somebody find out if they're okay. Okay, I'll close on. Okay. Putting tile in the hallway was a bad idea. So much echo. I'm going to put soundproof carpet and... <laughs> so anyway, what was I saying? Something about Islam. Sacrifice. So in the Bible, you know how in the Quran you keep hearing Right? So establish the prayer, give zakah, establish the prayer. That's like the cornerstone of the religion. Like that's the, that's, the, that's the thing that keeps coming up, that defines and characterizes Islam. The, 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 the feature characteristic of Islam before in, in, the, in the Israelite history is actually sacrifice. On every turn, there's some kind of a sacrifice at the altar. Sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. That lineage of Ibrahim was constantly you know, uh, celebrating sacrifice. On this side, 
What is the ultimate victory of Islam in the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ? It is Hajj. Because when Mecca is conquered, believers can finally restore what this house was built for, why Ibrahim ﷺ built it. And when we complete the Hajj, we are finally able to make the sacrifice that we were supposed to, that was done the way Ismail ﷺ was supposed to, the, the fidya that he, he did. And so what do we do at the end of Hajj? We sacrifice the animal, right? So that makes it alim. You want to understand Look at how many people are going to Hajj How many animals are being sacrificed In Allah's name And then the meat being distributed All of that is actually a continuation That's, This is what gives it its, its azma Its greatness Both of his lines The line of Ismail salam Through Rasulullah And the line of Ishaq As we will see soon you know, And then, the, then Yaqub And then Yusuf And then from there The Israelite prophets Both of them at the end, come back to sacrifice. Now, so he says, And we left that for the last people to come. We left him on it, meaning we left this legacy for him to be committed to until the last people that will live in this world. So we are sacrificing, and Allah is explaining himself what makes that sacrifice so great. For the last of the people to come, because we're the last ummah, He's the last messenger, we're the last ummah. And what Rasulullah says, and I was I and the hour are like these two fingers. Why do you think that is? Because if there's no more prophets coming, then these you know other prophets would warn of the destruction of a nation. Right? They would warn of the destruction of the nation of Nuh, or the nation of Salih, or the nation of Lut, etc. etc. Right? Our messenger is not warning of the destruction of a nation. He, now the only destruction left is the world altogether. That's the only thing left. It's Judgment Day itself. You know, the final book has come, the final messenger has come. The only warning left now is Judgment Day itself, right? And so we are, every generation of Muslims is part of the last batch of humanity. We're in the last chapter of human history. That's what we are, you know? And the more years that go by, these are just next passages of that same last chapter. The last chapter began with the coming of Rasulullah And we're in it now. We're living in that part of, of uh, the legacy of the world. Look at this. You know, may, may peace fall on to Ibrahim salam. So, you know, we even now when we pray, we send salawat on our messenger, sallallahu and alongside with every time we associate it with who? Ibrahim, alayhi salam, right? So here Allah himself, Allah himself says, salamun ala Ibrahim. Great peace shall fall upon, should it fall upon Ibrahim, alayhi salam. Salutations to Ibrahim, alayhi salam. كَذَٰلِكَ That is how we compensate those who excel. Again. This is the second time. We, we just saw in ayah 105, Inna And then ayah 110 again, Allah is reinforcing and reinforcing and reinforcing the idea that this story has to be relived by all those who try to excel. They will excel and Allah will compensate them also. Allah will give them a legacy also. What makes the, now let's contemplate this anew for a minute. What makes the legacy, so, what makes the sacrifice so great? The fact that it created a legacy, right? That's what makes it great. The fact that we're continuing that legacy adds to its greatness. The fact that Rasulullah reinforced and re re revived that legacy adds to its greatness. All of that is actually what makes it dhibh alim. 
But Allah at the end says, that is how we compensate those who excel. What is Allah telling us to do? Allah is telling us to create a legacy. Allah is, tell, is teaching us something about, you know, the mentality of Ibrahim alayhi salam. And, the, you know, the, 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 the inspiration, wa alaykum wa the inspiration of Ibrahim alayhi salam is to think about what's going to be left of the good that I do after I'm gone. What will I leave behind? What am I giving to the world? What am I giving to my family? What am I giving to my neighborhood? What am I, what am I giving of myself, of my knowledge, of my wealth? Whatever it is, what is it that I'm giving that is going to live longer than I do? That's going to continue to make it, this, this one thing that I do continues to become greater and greater and greater. It only, it only flourishes more and more as the days go by, as generations go by. I will be dead, maybe some, nobody will even remember my name, but my deed will carry forward. Just think about that for a moment, even in terms of da'wah. I often say this because this is one of my desires. Allah grant all of us Jannah. One of my wishes in, 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 in the Akhirah, uh, and I pray Allah grants me and all of you Jannah and forgives all of our many sins, is that when I go there, I, I actually really want to meet my ancestors. And I want to meet my, the first ancestor in my family that became Muslim. Because on my ancestry, my father's side, were, they're from Afghanistan, two, three generations back. And if you trace the Afghani history further back, these people were pagan. And many of them were Buddhist also. They had influence from China. They had other kinds of pagan religions. The Mongols came in that area. They had different kinds of religious influences, right? So they were not Muslims. There's a time in history where people in that region started coming towards Islam. So at some point, someone became Muslim, right? And then he decided to marry and have children and raise them as Muslims. And generations down, I get to be raised by Muslim parents. Whatever migrations happened, economic conditions happened, whatever happened, I get to be raised a Muslim. And I get to say, La ilaha illallah. I get the opportunity to hear about the word of Allah because of a legacy that was created, right? And I want to meet that person. And they might not even know how great that act was. They might not even know. But its impact will come for generations. This, this, this generational mentality, that's actually part of وَفَدَيْنَاهُ بِذِبْحٍ عَظِيمٍ وَتَرَكْنَا عَلَيْهِ فِي الْآخِرِينَ سَلَامٌ عَلَىٰ إِبْرَاهِيمٍ كَذَلِكَ نَجْزِي الْمُحْسِنِينَ إِنَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَا الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And finally, he certainly is from our believing slaves. This is the, the final um, motivation that Allah has given us in this ayah, which is what? Of, of all the things you could have described Ibrahim السلام, with, what did he choose? He was from our believing slaves. You know why? Because that opens an invitation. Who else of you wants to become a believing slave? Because if you do become one of our believing slaves, you can be affiliated with Ibrahim alayhi salam. Because you will be from ibadillah al-mukhlas mu'mineen and he was from ibadillah al-mu'mineen, you see? So it's actually a, another invitation to affiliate ourselves with Ibrahim alayhi salam. And I was telling you, Quran has lots of evidence that the son to be sacrificed was not Ishaq, it was Ismail alayhi salam, and I inclined towards that view. Look at these ayat. وَبَشَّرْنَاهُ بِإِسْحَاقَ نَبِيًّا مِّنَ الصَّالِحِينَ And we gave, on top of that, we gave him good news of Ishaq, a prophet from among the righteous. The whole story of the sacrifices come to an end, and then Allah says, and we gave him the good news of Ishaq. You know what that tells you? That the, the previous story is not about Ishaq. That's about Ismail alayhi salam. And this is now about Ishaq. Who's Nabiya min al-Salihin wa barakna alayhi wa ala ishaqa wa min dhurriyatihima muhsinun wa zalimun li nafsihi and we blessed him and we blessed Ishaq and from their offspring meaning the offspring of Ibrahim 
from Ismail and Ishaq, there are those who do ex excellently and those who wrong themselves. Mubin clearly wrong themselves. You know? So, so, ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ Mubin clearly wronging themselves. And that's the, a description of the Israelites now. Among them were great people, and among them were those who wronged themselves. And so now the, the, the story switched over to the side of who? Ishaq salam, the other child of Ibrahim salam. And that's why in the next ayah in Surah Al-Safat, we're going to go to one of his most prominent children, which is Musa salam. Right? Because the, the, the story has, the line has switched. So on that line, the, the key figure is Musa salam from that lineage. Right? And so that, then Allah will talk about Musa salam. So with this contemplation, I'm going to wrap up our discussions on Ibrahim salam for the month of Ramadan. And I'm really excited to be able to cover more of our great father with you. Inshallah, there are some incredible passages that I haven't even begun to touch uh, in this, in this uh, uh, account of Ibrahim salam. One of the most important figures, I think, the reason my, my motivation for doing this series in Ramadan was that I, what I said in the beginning, I'll reinforce again, is that I certainly believe that if we don't understand Ibrahim salam, then we cannot understand the connection between him and the coming prophets because the prophets that come after him are actually a continuation of his legacy, right? And the perfection of his legacy is actually Rasulullah right? That's the, the culmination of his legacy. So in a sense, if you say, I have studied the life of our prophet, Right? You've studied the Meccan period, you've studied the Madani period, you've studied Fatah Makkah, etc, etc. But you don't know its connection to Ibrahim salam. you're missing something huge. You're missing it. You have to put Ibrahim glasses on and then study the life of the Prophet Because actually what he was given, the struggle he was given, the mission he was given was to restore the works and finish the work started by Ibrahim salam. That's why he sent to the Kaaba. That's why he's given the, 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 the sacrifice at the end, the ultimate victory in Surah Al-Fatih. He's given the sacrifice, which is the legacy of his father, Ibrahim salam. You know, So it's, it actually all comes back to the Kaaba. And because the Seerah all comes back to the Kaaba, the Kaaba goes back to who? Ibrahim salam. So there's an intricate connection. And we have to really deeply understand Ibrahim salam so we can deeply appreciate not only him, but his great son, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and through them we truly understand and appreciate our religion and the legacy of revelation that Allah has given us. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi